We continue our study of the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, the prophet of the Passion. Remember, Zechariah was sent by the Lord of Armies after Israel's return from the Babylonian captivity. The small group, 43,000 people, was told to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. They were surrounded by the enemy's nations which were still in the land. They were discouraged. They first of all built their own houses. So after 20 years, they still had not rebuilt the temple. So in 520, the Lord sent the prophets Haggai and Zechariah to command and encourage the people to finish the rebuilding of the temple. 500 years before Jesus was born, that second temple was rebuilt. But Zechariah reminds us that this temporary structure would be a picture of Jesus and his everlasting kingdom. Zechariah reminds the people that the Lord would take care of them and he would establish an everlasting kingdom through the forgiveness of sins. The remarkable foretellings, the prophecies of Zechariah 500 years before the event could only happen because the Holy Spirit inspired Zechariah to point, to give markers which would identify the coming of the Messiah. And these prophecies in Zechariah are really only understood in their fulfillment in Jesus' suffering and death. If you remember, we've already talked about the prophecy in Zechariah 9, Look, your king comes to you humble and lowly, riding on a donkey, Palm Sunday. Zechariah 11, so I took the 30 pieces of silver and I threw them into the Lord's house to the potter, the suicide of Judas. So now we take up another passion prophecy in Zechariah 12, verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace who pleads for mercy. They will look at me, the one they have pierced. Think about these words. 500 years before it happened, Zechariah prophesied, not of himself, they will look on me, the one whom they have pierced. Chapters 12 and 13 of Zechariah, the phrase, on that day is repeated seven times. Zechariah, through the Holy Spirit, moves God's people to look forward to the great coming of the day of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit revealed that this Messiah would suffer and die for the sins of the people, that truly God would pour out on his people the spirit of grace who pleads for mercy. 
Remember those words. Then they will look at me, the one they have pierced. These words should sound familiar. We read in John 19, when Jesus was crucified, instead one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. Immediately blood and water came out. The one, John, who saw it has testified and his testimony is true. He knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. Indeed, these things happened so that the scripture could be fulfilled. Psalm 22, not one of his bones will be broken. Again, another scripture says, they will look at the one they have pierced. Often he heard and read these words and failed to connect them to Zechariah's prophecy here and also Psalm 22. The Romans had come up with the most, one of the most horrible punishments, the death penalty by crucifixion. And so on that Good Friday, three men hung on three crosses. That afternoon, about three o'clock, the soldiers thought, we've got to get these bodies down before the Sabbath work regulations come into effect at six o'clock. So they went ahead and broke the legs of the two criminals with Jesus, the terrorists, which hastened their death by suffocation. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. To make sure, and also to fulfill scripture, they pierced his side with that Roman spear, and blood and water flowed out. He was already dead. They looked on the one that they have pierced. Of course, these words refer to those Roman soldiers as they looked at that dead body of Jesus. It was with a sense almost of joyful fun. Look at this king of the Jews, this despised people, this wannabe nation. Look at their king. They looked at Jesus. That crowd of people who had called out to crucify him. The Jewish leaders who had schemed to arrange for Jesus' death looked on the one that they had pierced with gleeful triumph. We got rid of him. But how do Zechariah's words apply to us? You are looking at the one you have pierced. You weren't there, Calvary. You didn't shout, crucify him. But it was your sins that made it necessary for Jesus to give up his life at the cross. And so you look at the one 
you have pierced. Not with glee, not with triumph, but with sorrow over your sins. For Zechariah goes on, we mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child. We grieve bitterly for him. Isaiah also uses this picture to identify the real reason Jesus had to suffer and to die. The familiar words from Isaiah 53. Surely he was taking up our weaknesses and he was carrying our sufferings. We thought it was because of God that he was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. But it was because of our rebellion that he was pierced. Because of our sins, he was pierced. He was crushed for the guilt our sins deserved. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has charged all our guilt to him. And so it is with repentant grieving, joyful recognition of what Jesus did for us, that we look, as Zechariah said, 500 years before the event, on the one that we have pierced. This turns our mourning into joy. And we can look ahead now to Zechariah 13, the first verse, bases one of our familiar hymns. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David, and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and uncleanness. And so we look in faith to the one whom we have pierced. Amen. We close with the Good Friday hymn 166, stanzas 1 and 3. And pay attention especially to the third stanza, hymn 166, 1 and 3. <laughs> 